series this morning. I think I titled it, Hook Up, Get Hooked Up with Heaven. Now, you understand with a title like that, I can preach anything. <laughs> I'm wide open. I don't even have to have a title if you get a title like that. But if you would, turn with your, in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 13. And let's, uh, let's let the Lord, like Deborah Ann said so aptly, let's let him speak to us this morning. It won't really matter what I say. I mean, I'm going to follow him if I can and when I can. But it's you that have to hear. It's, the Bible doesn't tell us to look after revelation. Oh, God, if I could just have a revelation. What the Bible admonishes us to do over and over is to get understanding. That we already have plenty in us to go a long ways and unravel a lot of troubles. We just don't have understanding. A lot of times I think it's because we're sitting around waiting for revelation. We just need understanding. Amen. We need to understand people. I told you that about just now, about uh, Xing off some people and putting them back, back on the list. That's just understanding. It doesn't even mean it was wrong to X them off. I had to cool my jets, and maybe they had to cool theirs about me. You know, I'm a jagged little pill sometimes. Uh, ask, ask anybody that knows me. Uh, I can be kind of a straight shooter, and I mean well, but it doesn't always come out that well. Right, Lynn? Hallelujah. But if there's anything that people do in life from, from the beginning, if there's anything, little children all the way up to uh, aged, if there's anything that we all do is that we endeavor to find an advantage for ourselves. We could say it's jockeying in life. We endeavor to place us, our children, our husband, our wife in the best light, in the best position to have an advantage. It's only the very lazy and the uncaring or, you know, on drugs or whatever that just don't care. But even then they do care. Um, and so everyone is trying to get out of the uh, me against life pattern. It's me against life. Life's unfair, and it is, isn't it? Isn't life unfair? It goes to the powerful, the rich, the connected, and we all know that's not fair in a God sense. But it's absolutely fair if you're, uh, if you're in a beehive or an ant bed or, every, you know, uh, the weak fall away, the strong dominate and all that. But in the kingdom, we should look for an advantage with the Lord because he's given us an advantage. But you go, well, everybody ought to know that. So many Christians are not looking for an advantage. They don't think they have a chance. And what I want to minister on to you this morning is that one miracle will change everything. I'm always quick into Acts chapter 3 where it says, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That man had weak ankles. That's all he had. He didn't have EMS or cerebral palsy or he wasn't missing a kidney. He, he, all he needed was strength in his ankles. And that miracle changed everything. Do y'all know it changed everything? Everything was changed just because he got strength in his ankles. You'd think heaven was passing that out in wholesale lots. That's what we need. Many, many times what we need is an adjustment in the kingdom in the supernatural, and it would change everything. At a certain time in your life, if you had had $1,000, it would have changed everything. If you could have laid your hands on $1,000, you could have bought in, or you could have gone around, or you could have done something for your kids, you could have made your car payment and not lost it, you could have, you could have, you could have. Just $1,000. There's people that tip $1,000 in certain restaurants. You go, That's, that can't be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Hebrews 13, 8. Such a simple little verse. But so filled. So filled with what we need. Let's read it together. Verse 8. Ready, read. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Now that verse shuts down religion. That one verse shuts down. Well, yeah, but it's just us now and then they did and the Bible's this and Jesus has changed and all that. This changes everything. And if you'll live in this verse, 
than the very miracles that we heard but from Genesis and, well, from Genesis this morning, they'll be yours. Jesus was then and Jesus is now. And you can have everything you need anytime you need it. You can have it all. And you should seek the advantage that you have in the new birth. Instead of working your life, I shouldn't work my life in the natural realm trying to get an advantage that is exceeded and is excelled by the kingdom advantage. We ought to pay attention to the kingdom. This stuff works. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If people spent just a fraction of their time in the word of God versus spending their time uh, uh, trying to jockey for an advantage or get a leg up or, or uh, you know, whatever people do, we'd all be over there. It's not God. He's not in control. I'm in control. But he's given me everything to control. I can take this 747. I can take it up if they'll let me in the cockpit. They won't, though. <laughs> but I'm in the kingdom. Um, Acts 10.34 says Jesus, that God is no respecter of persons. Say it with me. God is no respecter of persons. Well, if you have it, I can have it. I don't want yours, but I want one for me because there's plenty more where that came from. You got money? God's got money for me. You got uh, a good job, one that lets you off at 5 o'clock and you don't work weekends? God's got one for you. Well, how many? There's not many of them out there. You just need one. You just need one husband or one wife or I don't know if you need how many kids you need. <laughs> What'd you say? Three's pretty good. Hallelujah. Well, there you have it. There's a testimony in the house. So, so you know, we're, what we're all doing in this advantage thing is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that the Gentiles seek shall be added unto you. That's what, that's what we're doing. And priorities is the mark of maturity. You go, well, there's a, there's a mature Christian. He, he can quote 17 verses. Ah, doesn't mean a thing. Doesn't mean to think. It means what do you do when you get up? Because there's more to do than you have time, energy, or drive for. So what are you going to do? Well, that, that determines whether you're mature or not. That determines what your future is. Seek first the kingdom. So we know that. So we're all endeavoring to stay in priority. Lord, help me stay on the right path, the path you've set for me instead of getting off on Billy's and John's and Larry's. Stay on my path. Amen. Uh, here's a little stat. 26% of Americans, I had to go back and, and look it up. 26% of Americans claim no religion, and 10% of these are atheists and agnostics. 65% of Americans claim to be Christian, down from 85%, listen, listen, 1990. 30 years ago, a fifth of America, more, claim to be Christian than they do now. You understand 30 years is just a, it's a blink in time. An atheist is anyone who denies that God exists. There is no God. But an agnostic is someone that says, I don't know if anybody can, I don't believe you can tell if there's a God or not. He certainly hadn't revealed himself to me. That's what an agnostic is. But an atheist says, I know for a fact. There is no God. Wow. You know, I'd, I, I, just being smart and all, I'd fudge and say, let's don't mention that to the Lord just in case it comes down that I'm wrong. Let's, let's just say, I think there is, and then skate on through. Uh, but my point is, is that 26% that claim no Christianity, 26% of Americans greatest country there is, a land of everything, 26% do not see an appreciable advantage in the 65% that are Christian. Did you ever think about that? In other words, they've looked at you. They've looked at me. They've, they've analyzed the church. They've analyzed Christianity as a whole. Everybody's looking 
Everybody's looking and listening all the time to you and to me. And when we put on our Jesus badge, our so-called we're Christian, they look and say, what do you got that I want? What, what advantage do you have that I should covet the same advantage? And they go, nah, there ain't nothing there I need. Matter of fact, they're hypocrites, they're burdened down, they're legalistic, they're, they're, uh, they're mean. You know them, le you, do y'all know those mean Christians that are legalists, that are under the law, and they're mean? Y'all don't know them? Yes. I, I can point them to you all the time, they're mean. So why do 26% of all Americans, that would be about a fourth of all Americans, one out of four, look at the look at the 65%, the two out of three, and say, we don't need what you have. We don't want what you have. Matter of fact, we're glad we don't have what you have, and we aren't who you are. Now, what is the deal about that? Do y'all know, did, did I tell the truth? Is that pretty much your feeling out there, is that nobody's calling me up and saying, I found out you're a Christian, and I knew something was up with you, and I want to tell me all you know. Church, the church has lost the testimony. That's it. That's my message right there. I am going to not quit. I'm still going to go, but that's my message. The church has lost her testimony. I appreciate those that shared this morning. But we all have a testimony. You just didn't share yours and, and all this morning. And I'm going to propose that the lukewarm church, not us, I don't like it when people say the church, because don't put me in that bunch. But the lukewarm church, which is most of people, uh, is simply a group of people. It's the world in a modified building. We're in a modified building here that you can't get your oil changed here. And, and we don't do signs. We're, we got chairs everywhere. This is not buffet, eat all you can eat, get all you can eat. This is a church building, modified. But most lukewarm churches, I surmise, they're just the world. They come in with their political views. They come in there with their, their, their uh, politics, their lack. They're just as poor. They're just as poor as the world. They come in just as sick as the world. They come in mean as the world. I, t I keep telling you about this one thing I saw many years ago about a church that could not decide on how to carpet the auditorium. And so one side was gold and one side was purple and the seam went right down the middle. It just makes you want to throw up if, if you're the throwing up kind. So that's, that's the church? No, that is the world that's meeting in a modified building. And we should, we should despise that low-level living. We should say, I don't blame the world for not wanting that. You ask those people, are you going to heaven? I hope so. No confidence, no assurance of their salvation. Do you believe in healing? Sure do. We believe God can do anything. Well, yeah, what an idiot. Even the Bible says the demons believe and tremble. So what's your advantage? The church is not respected. Now, I'm going to tell you, right now in this pandemic, the church is not being respected because they have, they have lumped us in with, with uh, spas and bowling alleys and movie theaters. They've lumped us in with all those as a non-essential. There's been a little pushback, but not appreciable. So the church is not respected, and here's why. We don't deliver. We don't deliver on this. We don't deliver in our personal convictions, our passions. We don't stand, and having done all the stand, stand therefore. I'm talking about the lukewarm church. I'm not talking about you. But we're just getting a perspective right now of, of the church in relationship to the world. Why don't they like us? Why don't they respect us? Why can anybody be a Christian? Because there's an easy believism. All you have to do is, is, is A or B. Do you want to go to hell? I'm going to skip that. Do you want to go to heaven? B. Go, I want to go to heaven. Well, right here, just sign up on the church roll, and you will go to heaven. Never mind that uh, the Bible says uh, 
if thou wilt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Never mind that verse. Just If you just aren't, don't want to go to hell, we got an insurance policy over here that says if you'll show up at Christmas and Easter, we can work something out. I'm being facetious. I'm, being, I'm mocking it, but I'm not that far wrong when you distill it and, and, and get it down. So uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, since you got your Bible open, just turn over there. You know this one. I hope you know this one. I hope this one's in your heart because it's who you are. It's what happened. It's your history. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. This verse is what happened when that verse got modified. Verse 17, let's read it together. I'm in the King James. Do the best you can. Verse 17, ready, read. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The uh, passion version. You knew I was going to bring the passion in. Hallelujah. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. I have become a, an entirely new creation. I have become. I changed over. Did you change over? You were, but now you are. And what you are is not who you were. The old can't come into the new because you were. The old man that I was is destroyed, annihilated, dealt with, ceased to exist. Well, that's just my old man speaking. No, it's your unrenewed mind. It's your, it's your soul. But it's not the old man you were. I'm a new creation in Christ. The, the passion says all that is related to the old order has vanished. Do y'all believe the Bible? What if that was true? All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. I am something else, y'all. Are you something else? Of course you are. And the only thing keeping us from being the most dynamic thing the world has ever seen and works on is me owning up to who I am. It's you owning up. Quit denying it. Quit being embarrassed by it, quit uh, 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 believing the lie of the lukewarm church, of religion, put on who you are and say, this verse is true and this verse is me. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Woohoo! I'm brand new. I'm fresh and new. Every day I'm fresh and new. Well, I've been, I've been a Christian since I was eight. So that's, that's a lot of years, 59 or so. I should get up every day. You should get up every day saying, this is a brand new day in the kingdom. Watch out, devil, and here I come. Something's going to be changed, turned upside down, turned around, because I woke up and my feet are on the floor. Now, you go, well, who's that? It's the church. It's the Bible. It's who, it's read the news, read the news. It's about you. It's about me. Read the news. Old news doesn't work. So what have people done? And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tread real easy in these next few things. And I, and I don't want to be misunderstood. Y'all shake your head. <laughs> yeah, like he doesn't want to be understood. Uh, uh, the reason that Christians are lukewarm is because they identify with their humanity marker. Versus their born-again faith. We identify with our humanity marker versus our born-again faith. Okay, let's start where I just wade off into something because it's a sensitive area in our culture right now. But I don't care. I hope you can make the turn here. But let's start out with people that identify with their race. Now, if you're red, yellow, black, and white, or white, there's no denying it. We're not saying everybody's a, a, a not one or the other. There's five different races, basically, because there's, there was five different kinds of, of soil when God created Adam. There was five kinds of, of soil. He created five different colors, red, yellow, black, and white. Well, there's another one in there. I don't know what it is. 
But, but people are real sensitive about their race right now. Why are people sensitive about their race? Because it's the only marker they've got. Well, wait. Could you be different race and be a Christian? Well, old things have passed away. Well, does that mean that you weren't, you weren't, you're not Oriental anymore, that you're not American Indian anymore, that you're not Caucasian anymore? Nope. It just means it was swallowed up by who I am in Christ. Swallowed up. I'm, uh, and so people are sensitive right now, and everything is the thing about racism. I have an opinion about that, and I'm going to keep most of it to myself, but I will let you have this. People that want other people to change their feelings about race, it's an uphill battle. How do I know that? Because I thought about this. How many wives get married thinking, believing, hoping they can change their husband? Let me ask you, how's that working out? So if you can't change your husband, how do you think you're going to change somebody, their prejudice, their, their, their bigotry, their hypocrisy about somebody else's race? All that stuff came in some way, wrong way. Somebody told you a certain people were not as good or something, you read something or scientists. It's all there somehow. There was a path in. We didn't come up with it on our own. Are y'all here? But, uh, so you can't just, it's not just a decision. The Holy Spirit has to do it. How do you change your husband? The Bible tells us explicitly that uh, the, a chaste and reverent wife is the way to change a husband. And that teaching won't do anything. Y'all ever looked at that scripture? It says you can't teach your husband, ladies. It doesn't mean you can't be an instructor. It can't mean that you can't change them. We always say that, you know, the, the husband may be the head, but she's the neck. <laughs> and he's not looking anywhere that she doesn't say first, I'll take you there. Tremendous influence, but it's the method. So let's just, let's just calm down about race. They're not going to calm down. Why are they not going to calm down? Because they're identifying with their humanity marker, and they're seeking an advantage and the only advantage they can have is in the natural realm, and it's going to be from hate or self-promotion or something. Now, I'm, not, I'm, I have, I'm definitely not a racist. Are y'all? No. I mean, we don't even see that. I don't even like it. I don't even like it when somebody says, who are you talking about? Well, it's that Chinese man. It's that Oriental man over there. It's that Hispanic man over there. I don't even like that. It's, there's the man over there. He's got on a red shirt. But we see that's in us. Well, where'd it come from? Well, it was in somebody that was in our life. And we got it from them. And we studied something that was wrong and, and all that. So you can't just say, oh, information is going to change me. All these people are this and all these people are that. And we're all this and all that. You can't change it by information because the information is prevalent. But what you have is down here, you've got to change this with the Holy Spirit. You've got to fall in love with Jesus who is in love with everybody. And when you do that, you go, I like them. And that's, I told you all last week that uh, 99 and a pretty good percentage of the, of the 100 of our DNA is the same. It is just, it's negligible. Uh, matter of fact, I got some of them short DNAs. In mine, and I'm glad you missed them, everybody out there. I'm glad you rode high and went over that little hump. <laughs> well, yay. Okay, here's another one. Sexual orientation. People identify with their sexual orientation. Am I right? You go, are you born again? Nope, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a this and that. When I was on my last trip out to Texas, can I tell that? I can't tell that. Okay. I was shocked. I got my wake-up call to transgender. I'd never seen. I didn't believe. But I say, I saw and I believe. It's a foul spirit. It's not right. But people identify with that. Why? Because they're looking for an advantage. Because that's where they feel comfortable because of things that are inputted. And only the Holy Spirit can change that. 
You can't shame them. You can't school them. You can't threaten them. Just try threatening your, your husband to say, pick up your drawers off of the floor. <laughs> I may have stepped into something there. Yeah, hallelujah. Okay, let's move on. I got lots to do here. Uh, 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 let's, yeah, let's go on. Right to work. Do y'all know any union people? I'm, and I am not passing judgment on it. I'm just saying, if you talk to certain people, their union affiliation is more important than their, their everything. They will throw you under the bus. If you say, I don't like that, they, they get, they'll enlarge, they'll get animated, they'll get empowered, and you better, you better not mess with them. Uh, social needs. People identify with social needs. Have y'all heard? I've, I've told you about uh, people that won the lottery that were on assistance and would not give up their assistance. The government had to come in and say, what are you? You got $5 million. We saw it in the paper. What do you do in cashing this $300 check? And they'll always say, because I may need it. I do need it. And you go, well, that's inside of you more than being a new creation in Christ, that old things passed away. Are y'all getting drift? I'm not going to cover this very good, but I, political party, I showed y'all a little thing one time that said that sometimes there's some people that would rather be a Democrat or a Republican than be a Christian. If you just said, choose, honey, you can just do one. I'm a Democrat. I'm a Republican. It's wrong. It's not who we are. It's a lie. And it, does, it takes away our advantage. My last one was a denomination. People would rather be a denomination. Baptists and Methodists and Presbyterians and all them. That, that's a birthright. That's something that you, take, you can take with you. You can show up in heaven and say, okay, Lord, a Baptist has come. Could we go to special quarters or we could we the Methodist side of the life? And it's like, you got Jesus. That's all you need up here. But they don't know that, and they don't act like that. And you go to teach them. You go to tell them, oh, how about the Holy Ghost? Would, I got the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost. And they said, well, it's not in our doctrine. It's not in our statement of faith. It's not in our church. We believe this, and we believe that. And you just know they've identified with their humanity marker, and it's killing them. Can I say that? It's hard on them. It's real hard on them, and they don't even know it. Uh, so the church has lost the power of the testimony. We're not so powerful in such a strong fragrance in our life that when we come into a room, we overpower all this stench, this stink, this, this nasty. Is, would y'all agree with me? All of that stuff's nasty. That when you're born again, when you're a child of God, when you've been refathered from above, when you're going to be in heaven and living in days of heaven is your birthright, that you decide to be a Presbyterian or an Episcopalian or anything more than that. When there's ever a choice that says, which one are you? You go to the human side. You go to the, well, I identify with this gender or you go with, I'm a union man. And we union men, we don't do that stuff. Wow. You got to have a cloud over you. And that's what this racism thing right here. You go, this is, this is all about different races. It is not about races. It's about something they can identify with. The, but the union people have been doing it for years. Read about it. The, the, the Baptists and the Methodists, they've been doing it for years. You, they're not even hiding it. You just talk to them and they'll say, I'll tell you who I am, bless God. Uh, uh, I had a grandfather and he, 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 he introduced himself this way. And I'll just tell his name. He said, this is how he would introduce himself on the telephone and in person. He said, hello, I'm poor old Doyle Newcomb. I'm a Baptist deacon. That's who he was. It didn't matter what else you needed. That's who he was. I'm poor old Doyle Newcomb, and I am a Baptist deacon. Yay. I loved him. By the, by the way, I'm not disparaging him. I love that man. So the church has lost its power of the testimony, and we have forgot the design that has been cast, recast for us. 
We are not who we were. We are not an old sinner saved by grace. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you go, well, what's the difference? Everything. Everything. You have no advantage by just putting that saved by grace on your wrong identity. Well, y'all remember, turn with me to Psalm chapter 78, if you would. Psalm, Psalm 78. I'm going to read some of this out of the New Living. Now, I can read everything out of the King James, and that would that'd be handy. And if we didn't have the overhead, I would. We'd all just look in our Bibles. I hope you continue to bring your Bible. I intend to never get it where you are more convenienced by the overhead and what the Scripture says up there where you say, I'm going to leave my Bible at home. Don't do it. It is so important for you to see your Bible opened up and you to put a little star by this that says on, uh, on July 12th, 2020, this is what I heard. And I always just write the revelation. You know, the, the preacher says this and reads the verse and says this. But then the Lord speaks something to you and said, yeah, this is you. This is what I'm doing. And you just you put a note in there so that when you're thumbing through your Bible, you get the testimony of what God spoke to you on another day. And all of a sudden it takes on new life. So I hope you open your Bible. In Psalm 78, verse 9, uh, God did a lot of supernatural things for the Jews. Did we read three or four of them this morning? Yes. A lot of supernatural things in the Jew nation. 78, verse 9. Uh, not doing very good this morning. Okay, the children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. And then it goes on there. Let me read. Let me pick this up in uh, the, the New Living um, Psalm 78. Here it is. Verse 13, I'm going to start in verse 13. For he divided the sea and led them through, making the water stand up like walls. In the daytime, he led them by a cloud and all night by a pillar of fire. He split open the rocks in the wilderness to give them water as from a gushing spring. He made streams pour from the rock, making the waters flow down like a river. Yet they kept on sinning against him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They stubbornly tested God in their hearts, demanding the foods they craved. They even spoke against God himself, saying, God can't give us food in the wilderness. Yes, he can strike a rock so water gushes out, but he can't give his people bread with meat. This is what they said after the Red Sea parted. This is what they said after Moses got up there and smacked the rock. And you, we think, we see pictures of a little, a little fountain, like a water fountain in the park. But it was a river, and it followed them from, from that day. It followed them and nourished them as God led them forth by the pillar of fire and the, and the, cloud, uh, the, the cloud by day. So, uh, so they forgot. The Bible says they forgot that those people in that day remembered, but then they forgot. The Bible says in Genesis, and this is real important, the Bible says that God chose Abraham. Why did he choose Abraham? Because he would, he would command his children after him. That's, that, he got the job for, for being willing to push it into his children. And you know he had a hard time with his kids, getting them here, I mean. You know, all that mess. That, 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 he messed it up, but God said, but you're going to put it in Isaac, and Isaac will put it in Jacob, and Jacob will put it in the 12, and the 12 will put it in their kids, and I can get it to David, and then I can get it to the Messiah, and I can get the Redeemer back. What a smart God we have. But they couldn't remember one generation after the Red Sea opening. They couldn't remember one uh, generation after the Egyptians getting swallowed up and, and, and the plagues, the, 12, the 10 plagues. They couldn't get past that because they forgot. But so God ha would have festivals or feasts and he would have holy days and he would have Sabbaths. 
And he would, he would make them go through a, a liturgy, as it were, uh, of how they would go into the holy place for sacrifice and how they would worship God with sin offerings. And, and uh, you know, they'd wave a, a leg of an ox over them, a wave offering and all sorts of things. You go, what's that up, God? What, what do you need all that for? It wasn't for God. It was for them. So they would remember, yeah, we used to hoist up. And we had one ox that weighed 7,000 pounds, and we, we, it took three of us to get that little guy up in the air. They all have a story about what they remembered, and so he re imprinted them with their history. In verse 40, let's, let's, I'm not through yet, verse 40. Uh, here's the li new living. Oh, how often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved his heart in that dry wasteland. Again and again they tested God's patience and provoked the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power and how he rescued them from their enemies. They did not remember his miraculous signs in Egypt, his wonders on the plain of Zoan. For he turned the rivers into blood so that no one could drink from them. And on and on and on. So it doesn't matter what he did. You got to carry it forward because he can't open the Red Sea for every generation. You know, we don't need the Red Sea to open right now. It wouldn't mean a thing to me if it did. I'd say, that's nice. Wonder what that was for. But it wouldn't mean a thing to me. So does God, does God need to come back and make us have feast days and do sacrifices and bring this and do without that Sabbath day? Holy day, don't walk more than so many paces on, Sab on Sabbath day. What was that all about? God, was he into a regimen of exercise or something? No, he wanted them to be marked in their life so they would remember who had delivered them. But he's not in that. We've been redeemed from the ceremonial and the dietary law. Y'all say amen. You've been redeemed. People will try to put you back under it all the time. Denominations and peoples will try to put you under a dietary law. It's good to say, well, this food's healthy. Eat your guacamole. I, I've never liked guacamole, but I ate a guacamole the other day. My, my, there's miracles in the air. Hallelujah. <laughs> I ate the whole half, you know. Had a lot of hot sauce on it, though. I got it down. So, but, but, so people tell you this, that, and the other. It, it, it's good. It's, it's expedient, but it's not lawful. We're not under that. If you want to eat bat, it's okay in these days. If you want to eat catfish, there was a reason they didn't eat catfish back then. There was a reason they didn't eat shellfish back then. But if you want to eat it now, if you'll sanctify it, you're good. You're good. Don't let anybody tell you that's unhealthy. It's not unhealthy. If it's sanctified by prayer, it's not unhealthy. I could get lathered up about that, but I'm not going to. I'm going to, I'm going to move right on. Hallelujah. Uh, so uh, they didn't remember God's options because they had to see something. They weren't born again. They had to see a Red Sea. They had to see a, a, a wave offering. They had to see the, the, the table that was, that was their, what was that holiday that they still do? The table where they got delivered out of Passover or, or all of those things. I don't remember. But we don't have to have those. Why? Because we're born again. And because we have a daily witness of the supernatural in our lives, we don't have to point to a day of the Red Sea. We don't have to look at something that says, this is when God whooped the Philistines and, and when David whipped Goliath. We don't have to look at that because he's ever present in time of trouble. He is our miracle God. We have a testimony daily. But if we don't bring the testimony, if we don't have a, a remembering of not what he did back then for peoples, but what he did for me, what he's doing for me, for you, if I don't remember that and give that, it will die. And you'll lose your strength. And then guess what? Here's what happens. You'll be that lukewarm church that is just a, uh, a bunch of people, the world, in a modified building. Praise God. Y'all think it's pretty? <laughs> I don't. So, uh, do, do you want Old Testament reminders? Do y'all want to be able to walk 15 paces on the Sabbath? 
We don't because we are going to have a remembrance. That's why we're reading. We read testimonies every Sunday morning about somebody that got healed of this and got delivered from that and, and set free. And so and now we're reading Old Testament. We're going to read New Testament miracles. Anytime there was a transaction of the supernatural, we're going to put it in our hearing here at River Church. You go, well, what's that all about? So that we'll be reminded and stirred up by the testimony of the Lord. His goodness endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. His compassion is everlasting. And I can access it. He's no respecter of persons. So if I hear Barry Paul say, I just want to tell everybody I had this and now uh, I prayed and asked God and now I don't have it. When I hear that, I go, whew, I'm going to put that in my thinking so that if I ever have trouble, I can do what Barry did and have what Barry had. Isn't that better? That's so much better. But if the danger is, is that if we don't have these physical uh, uh, memorials and these uh, Sabbath days and these feasts and everything, that if we don't have them and we don't tell the testimony, we don't give the testimony, then we'll be that lukewarm church in a building. Guess what's happened? We have that lukewarm church in a building. And now there's not even that many of them. They're falling away. Why are they falling away? Why does the agnostic and the atheist don't care about your life? Because you ain't got nothing, church. If you did, you'd be shouting it and telling it. You'd be saying, I had this, but I, Jesus healed me. I'm not talking about you here. Now, be sure we get the object of my... I'm talking about the church, the lukewarm church. If you never hear a testimony of healing... You are pretty soon going to say they passed away. Could that be true? Absolutely. It is the human condition. It's the human nature to say if we don't hear about it, we're not stirred up about it. And therefore, we are going to develop a doctrine that deals with that because people are going to say it's in the Bible here. The Bible says the works that I do shall you do. The Lord Jesus said in John and greater works shall you do because I go to the father. What are we going to do with that verse? What are we going to do with the verse that says, I speak in tongues more than you all? What are we going to do with the verse that says, they lay hands on the sick and they shall recover? What are we going to do with that? Well, we got to build some facade, some lie, some thing to shield that, to get that. Kind of like our political system right now. That's just denying the Constitution and denying the rule of law. And we're going to have to develop something to take care of that in case some snotty-nosed Christian comes in and wants to know why we don't have those things. We're going to have to have an answer. We're not going to preach on it. We're never going to mention tongues in that church. We're never going to talk about healing in that church. But if someone was to ask, we have to have some sort of answer. And we will not be that church. We will answer every question from the word of God every time or we will seek the answer from him and he will tell us. Amen. So a telling a testimony is the telling of what God did in your life personally. It's yours. It's yours. How about those people that come back from heaven? Somehow God get somebody prays and they come back from heaven and they tell about, well, I was down this and a light came there and Jesus over here. And then they talk to people that also had that experience. And it's the same. What are we going to do with that? Must be true that everybody that goes to heaven sees the same thing. So uh, what is the miraculous? It, what is the supernatural? It's the miraculous invading the impossible. You ever had an impossible in your life? I hope you have. I hope you have had the impossible where the doctor said, sorry, buddy, you just need to go home and get comfortable. Call hospice. I hope you have, because that means you whooped it if you're here this morning. We're only as strong as what we've overcome. An overcomer comes over. And if you didn't ever come over nothing, you're not much of an overcomer. You don't have a testimony. You ought to have a testimony. You ought to have a story that says, I was out. I was done. It was over. But Jesus. If you don't have that, you don't have nothing to tell anybody. You don't have a story to say, but my Jesus. So I'm encouraging everybody to get something terrible and overcome it. Ah, 
ah, you don't have to do that. It's already out there. It's already coming for us. It's already presenting itself that says uh, one out of four people are going to get cancer in the United States. That's already out there. COVID-19, oh, please, please. You don't have to ask for that. It's everywhere and you can't see it. So who are we? Are we afraid we're going to close down this church until it's safe? It'll never be safe because there's something behind that. Did y'all know there's something beside that? We used to have the, what was it, the 911. We had that. We had the stock market. I knew somebody, not, not an, an in-law, that lost $100,000 one afternoon. You think you're retired and you can rock along in life and all of a sudden you don't have anything. You're thinking about how, uh, the che- you're looking at the cheaper crackers at the store. So what, it's, it's not like we'll get through this and we'll be okay. We'll never be okay just to get through this. You got to put on the Lord Jesus. You got to put him on right now. You got to win at this. Well, I may not can win at this, but we'll just endure and we'll come back. You better win at this or you won't win at that. I'm thinking about preaching on this. Come on, y'all. So we got to do what Ephesians 4 says, that we got to be equipped, equipped, what does it say? Equip the saints for the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ. We are not taking role at River Church. God's not taking role. Well, that's good. Uh, Wendy was there. I don't know where she was last week, but this will make up for it. No. And if you sleep in church or don't listen in church or don't take notes in church or don't take anything to the next day, you're not an Abraham. Abraham commanded his children. We have to command our memory, command our understanding, command our family. We got to do that or you're not an Abraham and he's not choosing you. Now you're going to go through life and it's all going to be fine. He's going to answer this and do for that. But you will not fulfill your calling. Brother Hagen, he was, he, I don't know how old he was, old as a tree. And the Lord, he finally did, I hope I get this right, came and talked to him and said, you've now entered into the first phase of your ministry. Well, he'd been there forever. He'd been doing all sorts of things. And it's like, ooh, what counts, Lord? Everything that I put in front of you. What doesn't count? Everything else. Well, I, I, we built shortcake for the, the, the Girl Scouts, and we, we raked leaves for the elderly. That's good. That's good. That's fine. You got little merit badges on your, on your Christian sash, but you got to do what you're called to do. The gifts and the callings are without change, without repentance. So you better get busy finding what you're called to. It's already in you. It's what you're interested in. It's what, turned, what turns your light on, and you better equ- be equipped for it. That's the entry. That's the door. That's where you walk in by this natural thing that says, I I like that. I want to teach children's church. Myself, not so much. (laughs) They'll crawl up your leg in there. And, you know, (laughs) I got to get this going. So a testimony is retelling the story, isn't it? Y'all have a story? My, one of my greatest stories from way back then is when I was a farmer and the bollworm was in the house and eating up everybody's crop. It was taking $30,000 to spray one time over. And I, I was already to the end of my money and there wasn't, I wasn't going to make any money no matter which way. If I didn't spray or if I did, it was over for me. And we went out there because we were tithers. We went out there with Pompeii oil. Y'all know Pompeii? Pompeii olive oil and we went to all four corners of that farm and we poured it out at the corner and we said God we are tithers and you said you would rebuke the devourer for our sake and we stand here believing your word and I'm telling you I had one of the best crops ever but they I was surrounded with farms that had nothing except big uh, plane bills poisoning bills once you get that in your life, I mean, you're at the end. You're, it's over for me. It's over for me. If I don't spray, they're already, they're everywhere. If I do spray, it, I'd have to make a good crop just to come out on even. And God fixed it for me. Well, it'll fire you up. 
Once you have that happen, you don't listen to the naysayers that says this passed away and that doesn't work. You, get, you have a testimony. And you, it's firsthand. It's not like, well, I heard about that. It was in my farm. And people would tell me, I know I've told this many times, but people would tell me, you said you didn't have bollworms and you didn't spray. We didn't believe you. So while you were at church on Sunday, they would tell me this the next year, we went out into your crop and doggone if there wasn't any bollworms. And you had a good crop. They told me that. We didn't believe it. I, have a, I had a testimony in my farming community back then that rocked them. Because it couldn't happen any other way. I mean, everybody's farm around me, that whole area, we were rocked with bollworms. But my point is, is we stood on the word. We said we're tithers and we went there. Listen, I, I think you ought to be indomitable if you're a tither. I think you ought to just be scary to the devil. And stuff that comes, you ought to just stand up and say, I ain't taking your mess. Not now, not later, not ever. I'm a tither. I've entered in. It's like I paid my insurance premium and you say you're not paying God. No, we're going to we're going to file this claim and collect. But a lot of tithers, it's like it's like that. They pay their insurance premium, so to speak. It's not, but like that. And then they say, we're not paying. And they say, well, I was hoping you would. But religion will knock you back. All the tithers got real happy right then, I could tell, all over the, all over the house. A testimony reveals God's heart towards the evil report. When you testify, it tells on God. It tells on God. He did it. Well, it could have happened another way. Well, let me just tell you the whole testimony, and you'll have no doubt that God did all of it. A testimony opens the door to the supernatural. Once you've had one, I'm telling you, from that little, that little bullworm thing, I am unstoppable. In the financial realm, I'm non-negotiable. It happened. I paid out at the bank, and I got to go again. And a lot of my friends did not. Testimonies link miracles to the pattern of life in your future. Testimonies link miracles to your future. It's easy for me to believe for the supernatural. I don't always do it. I, sometimes I draw back and shrink back like everybody. But it's in my DNA. It's in my past. So it should be in my future. Testimonies interrupt limitations. Stuff that's on you. COVID right now is, is, is it, it's not bothering us. But it's bothered a lot of folks. They are, they are tucked in their little room with the door shut and the windows pulled. And like, well, so the kingdom's on vacation? The kingdom's just knocked out because of COVID? It's just the flu. I'm not discounting it, but the flu kills people too. I'm not discounting it. I'm not saying poo-poo. You're going to have to get in faith about it, but we are. Why are you in faith about it? It's because we have a history of preaching miracles and preaching that God comes through. You are, you are drawing on a past of revelation and, and faith that says, we got this. It may be tough and my job may be that, but we got this. You don't get that from one message. You don't get that from reading a little book. You get that when you paint the house a thousand times. Coat after coat after coat. It's on there. Testimonies remove self-qualification. Well, I'm just a worm and I hadn't been perfect. God gives you a testimony. You go, wow, looks like the, like the worms and the imperfect can have the supernatural. It, it, it pushes back on all the things that we all say of ourselves secretly and privately. Testimonies reset the minimum standard of what God will do. You think God's just a weenie God? He's a little God? He just, he moves stuff along if he can? Testimonies blows that up and says God will come through and he'll come through big. So big that when you tell it, people's eyes, they think you're a liar. Their eyes get big saying, wow, I never knew that God. It resets the limitations in your life. All of a sudden you're willing to go for another one. I like that testimony. Let's do it again. 
You know, you kids, you take them go-karting at, at, uh, at Pigeon Forge, and they get off. What do they want? Oh, let's go home and rest. No. <laughs> I want to go again. Well, that's the way it is with a testimony. We want to go again. It's the go-kart for adults. The go-kart track for you and me is like a testimony is it. And a testimonies establish the precedent for your future. You go, ah, we don't take that little stuff no more. We're going for the big stuff because that's it. So, first of all, you've got to know the source of miracles. Anybody want to know the source? Of, well, it's, it was luck. It was just it happened to be. It could have happened. No, every good and perfect gift, James 1, comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no wishy-washy. Yeah, no wishy-washy like, ah, oh, we're, we're 50% in, or we, we think. Nope. He's first time all the time. Miracles, uh, you've got to know that God is all, listen, listen, listen. God's always willing to intervene. He's never on vacation. He's never mad at you. He does not count your past sin, your failures, your, your wimping out. We've all wimped out a bunch. That would be, that would be everybody. And God said, ah, we're going to pay no attention to that wimping out. I got one that'll blow this out of the water. I got one that you'll tell everybody. And thirdly, we got to react to miracles after the day of it. I'm still telling that story from 1985, 1975. I'm still telling that story, and that's 25 and 20. That's a long time ago, and it's still big in me. I got other ones, but that one's big in me. I got other ones. You got other ones? You got testimonies? You got to rehearse them. You should write them down. And then open up your little spiral notebook every once in a while and say, ha, look at this, darling. Remember when God back in 94 did this for us? Well, it's not just a recount of something that happened like a calendar. It fires you up. What God did then, he might could do it again. And it, it stops the impossible from being in your face because you've always got the secret weapon, God. He threatens you with COVID or your job for, in COVID or whatever's going on with so many people. You, you don't just say, I, I hope, let's get under the radar and see if we can slide through this. You're defiant to the devil and say, ah, God, this, the last thing I had was way bigger than this and that wasn't his best and that wasn't his last. There's plenty more of him where that came from. Bring it. I know people don't like that word, bring it. They think the devil will pump up. Listen, he's already 100%. If he had more, he'd do more. If he could kill you, he would have. If he could put you out of business, if he could get your, your marriage to fall on the right, he already would. He's tried. Didn't you notice he tried? Did you notice he tried? Have you felt him try to kill you? How to break up your marriage? How to attack your kids? How to take your job away? Have you never experienced that? Well, of course we have. That was the devil trying to nullify your testimony. And you got to bring it up. You got to bring it up. No, the God's just not the God of the Bible. He's the God of me. Amen. He did this for me personally, and he did it on time. All of y'all say, well, God's, God's slow getting this stuff in. No, people, God is not slow. It's just that people don't get in faith until the last second. They don't need God until the last second. They say, oh, God. And then they say, well, God waited till the last second. No, you waited till the last second to get in faith. That's right. Amen. Boy, I like this. I may, I may preach it again just like this next week. Amen. I got one more scripture. I got, I, I, it's in Mark. I got one more. I, I just can't leave it out. It's y'all's fault. If you hadn't put a draw on this, I'd have been done. If you just let me sashay through, I would have been done. Chapter 5 of Mark, verse 19. It says, how be it, verse 19, Jesus suffered him not, allowed him not, but saith unto him, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath compassion on thee. This is talking about the Gadarene demoniac. And he got delivered. He got set free. And he said, let me follow you. Well, who wouldn't want to follow him? He said, no, that's not your greatest purpose. It's a good thing, but it's not your thing. 
go home to thy friends, tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and had compassion on thee. And as he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. The Amplified says, go home to your own family and relatives and friends and bring back word to them how, of how much the Lord has done for you. Testify. Amen. Testify. Say, I want your attention for a minute. You want to borrow my lawnmower next week? You can't have it until you listen to my testimony. <laughs> Don't be coming over here for a cup of sugar until you listen to my testimony. And tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And he departed and began to publicly proclaim in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. Look, look. And all the people were astonished and marveled. You may think they'll just say whatever, but they hadn't been in the atmosphere that you've been and it's an amazing thing to them to hear what God would do. Because they've been hearing God's not doing nothing. He's in the Motel 6 over in Canyon City or something. And he won't be back until the weekend. They don't think God can do anything. They don't know anybody that can say God did something. So when you tell it, it's news. And it's personal. It's like, well, I heard about a brother-in-law that did this. No, it's me. It's me. Listen to me. And my tone and my words and my eyes will portray this was me. I was at the end. Jesus changed everything. And now I'm on top. Because what they're thinking, would God do that for me? So you go on and say, he'll do it for you. The message says, go home to your own people. Tell them your story, what the master did. The man went back and began to preach in the Ten Towns area about what Jesus had done for him. He, I like this. He was the talk of the town. You're the talk of the town. Not because you're special. Not because you mow your grass. I mow my grass two ways. Diagonally and straight. Used to drive my sons up the wall. But boy, it looks like a tabletop. Well, they're not, nobody marvels about that. They might say, that's interesting. He's weird. But what they do hear is about my testimony, about my finances, about getting healed, about God healing Colin, of his broke arm, all the things that are in my life and the fresh stuff that's in my life, about God's sustaining power. And how he's come into my life in such a way that I'm actually stronger after the test than I was before. He so came on me and so came into my life because I'm open. Because I entreat him. I say, God, I need you. I believe in you. So you're just a miracle away from having a change in your life. Silver and, gold have, gun, silver and gold have I none. But in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He just needed a boost. You don't need, you don't need the Red Sea to part necessarily. You don't, you don't need to pour out of your vessel oil until you can pay all your debts. You don't necessarily need the axe, the axe head to swim. He'll, he's got that if you need it. But maybe you just need to make your electric bill this month. Maybe you just need the, the boo-boo that won't go away on your arm. Maybe you just need that to go away. Maybe you just need strength in your ankles, so to speak. He's got that. Don't wait until you need the Red Sea to part to go to God and say, I need this. Because little miracles beget big ones. The big ones, they're, they're in your they're in your pocket for anything, but the big ones are for other people. They can't, they don't have it. The, the, the need came on them. It was so big. They couldn't appropriate any faith, but you are like David. I, I smote the, the bear. I smote the lion. This uncircumcised Philistine is no big deal. See, you got that in you, the bear and the lion. You've got that in you. So when the devil comes with whatever, that's no big deal. We've been there and done that. If not for you, for somebody else. So we're going to be the for somebody else people. We're at the end of the age. We're in desperate times. People are scared out of their, their minds right now. They are desperate. They're at desperate straits. 
You may not can do anything for them personally, but you can say, you can tell, you can testify. This is what Jesus is doing for me. So, Father, I thank you for the miracle and the testimony of it. I thank you here at River Church and for everybody that's watching that they're just a, they're just a step away for have, from having a supernatural lifestyle. I release the miraculous flow, the supernatural flow into their lives all over this house for the next step. Next year, the year after that, that's going to be something else. But Lord, this week, this month, we need help. We need things done. We need the supernatural. We don't see the way out, naturally speaking. But you're the God of testimony. You're the God of miracles. So Lord, we, we ask you to help us believe that what you did is what you're doing and what you're going to do. And Lord, we just, we just say yes. We just say yes. We're easily persuaded to believe. We just say, yes, my stuff's not too hard for God and I'm not too bad for God. He wants to and he wants to for me. In Jesus name, we ask you to expedite things, Father, expedite things that have been slow in the work. We ask you to move into our lives in a way that takes the future and brings it into our right now. We ask you, Lord, to show us open doors, Lord, that we've been walking by saying that's nothing. Open that door where the answer is, Lord, and move in our lives where the supernatural is. We quit thinking about how to fix it in ourselves. We put those thoughts aside. We don't rely on them. We take no anxious thought. And we completely look and say, I got to get this supernaturally. I got to get this miraculously or it can't happen. I empower these, this people to believe in Jesus name. We thank you for the testimonies that will come in the days ahead. Glory to God in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Well, God bless you on broadcast. Thank you for tuning this morning. Go after your miracle and don't flinch. Don't flinch. The day of flinch is highly overrated, and it's not who we are. Amen.